my name is Jonette Gay, and I'm the pastor of Audubon United Methodist Church. I have with me today our media specialist. Hi, Jason Burgess. And we want to talk and we want to listen. Our faith is seen and understood in many topics. We're glad you've tuned in today to Hey Hey, Anybody Listening? Hi, I'm here with Ashton Platterbuck. He's a young student, activist, community organizer. What else do you do, Ashton? I know there's quite a list. Uh, yeah, I am part of random boards of lots of different organizations scattered around Lancaster and Pennsylvania. So the LGBTQ coalition downtown, um, several church groups, somewhat ironically. I teach Sunday school on Sundays at Community Mennonite nice. Church. Um, and then I also write columns for the Lancaster newspaper and some other local papers on occasion, but regularly for a Lancaster newspaper. Ashton, do you mind if telling people how old you are? Uh, I'm 21 years old. Yes, very young. Exciting. Really old. <laughs> 21 feels really old. I, I know you're an old soul, so. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have attended a couple different schools. I started at Bennington College and then Millersville. When COVID happened, I kind of came back home to Lancaster. And then I took this year off just to work full time. And um, in the fall, I'll be going up to Montclair State University, where I hope to finish um, a double major in political science and journalism. Mm, very nice. When I looked online, I saw a a list of things for you. Um, yeah. Maybe you could tell us something about your um, activism. Yeah, uh, I started sort of with organized activist groups um, when I was 12, 11. Back in 2013 and 14 um, was when Williams Partners Natural Gas Company based in Tulsa, Oklahoma, proposed this natural gas pipeline through Lancaster County. And um, at the time I was living in my parents' place down in Holtwood in Southern Lancaster County. And the pipeline was proposed to go through their property. And so I got sort of roped in, um, which is probably the company's biggest regret right now because very quickly we my parents sort of jumped on that and started just sort of at the local level being like oh pipelines that doesn't sound great and like we don't want this swath of a football field's width of trees to be cut down on our property we'd like to not have that happen and so they scheduled this like local town hall in Marnick Township which is this tiny little township of at the time it was under 5,000 people and like 500 people in the township showed up for this town hall to be like, hey, what's this pipeline thing all about? Wow. And yeah, we, I mean, again, I was 12 years old, but I went to this like meeting and I was talking about how like, I was sad because I like enjoy going out in the woods and climbing trees and they were going to cut them down. And I didn't really grasp sort of the bigger, you know, corporate and environmental um, aspect of it at the time. Sure. But very quickly became well-versed in like, eminent domain and home rule and like what is you know marcellus show drilling region and all these things that like a 12 year old really shouldn't have to know about <laughs> yeah um so that kind of commandeered my childhood and i grew up starting off by just like going to these commissioner meetings and pipeline meetings and open houses and writing to different representatives and legislators and from sort of that to helping my parents run for a home rule campaign in our township to try to like on the local level fight this pipeline and then 
I quickly got involved then with direct action and nonviolent civil disobedience mm-hmm. as this project went on toward construction. I was 16 when I was first arrested for um, environmental action. I spent wow. a week out at Standing Rock um, in North Dakota, just sort of my dad and I. We drove out yeah. in this little car and camped out in Standing Rock for a week. And um, I was 16 then and then came back to Lancaster and thought the action out there was just really inspiring and cool and also was sort of drastic compared to what we were sort of organizing here in our little Mennonite Quaker communities here. So you were with a uh, a native tribe? <laughs> yes, out in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. If you don't know about Standing Rock, that was uh, the Standing Rock Sioux tribe um, was fighting the Dakota Access Pipeline out there started this encampment it started off with a couple elders in the tribe who just set up teepees in the path of the pipeline mm-hmm. and we're like we're just gonna live here until um this project is either either you physically remove us or it is built and it quickly grew to about 3,500 people by the time my dad and i were out there and eventually mm-hmm. 10,000 people were staying at this encampment mm-hmm. they had tents set up with you know big bonfires that meals were cooked on they had everyone kind of would jump in that assembly line to make soups and eggs for breakfast. I mean, you know, 20 pounds of scrambled eggs on a skillet over this bonfire. And um, Mm. it was just, it was a really amazing experience. It was this really like peaceful community that was just being faced with this really atrocious. um, But when we came back to Lancaster, we got involved with this uh, Adores of the Blood of Christ, which was this group of, they don't call themselves now nuns, they're Catholic women in Columbia, Pennsylvania here. And they have several cornfields they either lease out or that they do a lot of gardening and stuff there as well. But their property was also affected by the pipeline. It was supposed to go through their one cornfield that they've had for, I mean, I'm trying to remember, the, I don't remember the exact year they were founded. It was almost a century ago that they you know, sure. have been farming this land. Wow. Um, and so they were obviously very much opposed to this pipeline mm-hmm. coming through. And, you know, you don't think of nuns as being sort of these radical eco-terrorists. Um, and they weren't. They're very careful in the way that they approached fighting this pipeline. But they did. They built this labyrinth in the middle of the cornfield where this pipeline was, prote- um, you know, proposed to go. Adores the Blood of Christ reach out to us in Lancaster's pipelines and says, hey, we'd love to team up with you. And at the time... A lot of our action was these religious groups in Lancaster County. Lancaster is just a very religious community. Sure. Whether, you know, with very deep Mennonite roots and Anabaptist roots. The Amish communities. I remember when we first started out with pipeline stuff, several Amish communities reached out to us and were, you know, saying, hey, we want to save our protected farms that, you know, they're, you know, with the Farmland Trust, are there these protected farmlands that we thought were safe from this kind of infrastructure? And obviously, we're just not exempt from anything. In fact, we even had an Amish farm, a family, host an encampment that we eventually had with Lancaster Against Pipelines in Conestoga. Um, the King family just said, like, invited us over to their field to mm-hmm. camp out in the path of this pipeline, right where the company was going to drill underneath the Conestoga River. And so, you know, the Amish community was also very involved just out of a need to protect land and sort of, you know, they found this, the natural world is very sacred. It's this gift from God and we are to protect it. And so I think our really grassroots movement here in Lancaster was very much based in that sort of Mm -hmm. understanding that the ground is sacred in some way. And it it was different than sort of these other, you know, anti-government groups or these like sort of more 
these like we at all of our protests at Lancaster against pipelines we you know mm-hmm. we didn't wear masks we we're just saying here's who we are we're just we're gonna come here we don't we didn't do chants sure. we would sing <laughs> you know we'd have we had song leaders um the, this one woman from our church uh was our like song leader who would bring her protest guitar which is a like, guitar she got at a garage sale for super cheap because there's a chance it would get taken by police if she were arrested so mm-hmm. you know we and we would just hold hands and sing and that was actually what i was doing the first time i was arrested at 16 equipment was just being unloaded for the first day that they were going to start construction on their on their land there and we had a chapel an outdoor chapel set up it was just sort of an arbor we had a big stump that was our like altar and um there were almost 500 people who showed up for this action and it started off we were just sort of praying we had people singing sharing poems this catholic order of women is there in their full garb um and they Mm -hmm. came out with us jess king the congressional candidate came out as well just to join us a lot of just community leaders um there were several pastors there a group um we came out into the field and um all these different groups that were just sort of centered around the same cause and we held hands and we just sang all these different songs it was the first time anyone was getting arrested with this group so mm-hmm. we kind of walked out we it, it was it was just uh at the time i guess i was i was in high school so i'd taken the day off school to be part of this action both parents were there we were surrounding this bulldozer and you know police give their second warning they say you know we're gonna have to start making arrests at the time there were about 36 people still in the easement and then you know those who decided they didn't want to get arrested or just couldn't risk arrest for personal reasons Mm -hmm. left and by the end there were 24 of us still in the easement and eventually you know police came out and i was the only minor getting arrested there and i didn't really know the process i mean obviously i had i had never been arrested before i'm a good kid i don't know <laughs> i had yeah it's hard to imagine i got in trouble <laughs> once at school and cried and i remembered that moment forever you know <laughs> like um, but you know I, I was loaded up a little bit of a a tricky situation because um it was about that time i was also transitioning because I'm, I'm i am transgender so my documents like some had been switched over with a legal name and others hadn't. Mm-hmm. So this, there was this whole sort of debacle where the police officer was just a real jerk. You know, I'm, I'm like 16 years old. And I mean, I'm, I know you can't see me in a podcast, but I am five, three. And I was even shorter mm-hmm. at the time. I'm this like, cause I'm a minor. Like I legally could have asked if like for parents to be with me when they did this, but my mom had also been arrested. So she was not available. And my dad was <laughs> no. leading the action with people who had not gotten arrested. So still back at the site, they had it live streamed and the officer actually pulls up the live stream on Lancaster against pipelines, Facebook page. Well, he's in the room with me and like, we're watching the action continue on from the uh, room. And, um, wow. you know, we tried like calling my dad to come pick me up then for afterward. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can see him in the live stream, not answering his phone as him yeah. and we're like trying to call him and, um, it was kind of amusing, but then the officer just turned off the live stream and turned to me and started going on this like half hour rant about how like trans people are destroying our society. And wow. like, you know, this is a, you know, this large, you know, 250 pound officer with a gun in his holster, just like basically saying you are a menace to society. That was like, I don't know, a rather harrowing experience. Um, but eventually my aunt came to pick me up and mm-hmm. there was like, you get rid of this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, I should add, right bef- while this officer was going on his um, prejudice rant about transgender people, her, his sergeant came into the room and saying that my aunt was here to pick me up. And I remember her kind of stopping for a second. And she kind of assessed the situation and she's his superior. 
And she like assesses the situation and like realized what was going on. And she goes, yeah, we'll get, we'll get you on out of here. Cause my wife and I have to go celebrate our anniversary just to sort of add this, like, I, I support you kind of nod or gesture. Um, and the guy like shut, shut up right away. And I went out and got picked up and mm-hmm. uh, there was, so there's a slight antidote, I guess, hidden in this, uh, not so mm. ideal situation. I went right from the station right back to the right site back. where I was arrested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that worked out well. <laughs> we had some great photographers who were there, just kind of snapping some pictures. Um, we yeah, had I've seen some photography online. Uh, yeah, there's a famous shot of you. I know. Oh uh, shoot, your arms. <laughs> Which one, actually? <laughs> your arms chained to a tree. Uh, that was not this action, but yes, that is <clears> a. <throat> I forgot about that one. Yeah, I understand it was. Um, part of an exhibition in New York City. In France, I, by chance, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it was, was an article Epstein. in the New Yorker. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> had one, I was also in the school play at the time, so my dad actually drove me over to my high school play to, like, do practice, and um, I remember the, the principal was there, and I, at the time, was going to Lancaster Mennonite School, which mm. tried so hard to not be involved, but um, the school itself was pretty progressive. Individuals were not, but the school itself was, but the principal was there. Um, as I went in to do play practice and he said, Hey, like I saw you took off school today. And at this point it was sort of a common occurrence. Almost every week I'd take at least a day off to be part of some action. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he was like, we're, I saw, you know, I was watching the Facebook live where you arrested and I was like, yeah, he was like, okay, cool. Nice job. And then like, mm-hmm. that was the end of it. And, um, wow, Ashton, so I was, yeah, yeah. So I was, um, it's an amazing education you had at <laughs> young age. Uh, education sure yeah sure um well i know you're going back into school for journalism how do you think these experiences that you had can play out in your future i don't know what's your plans to i mean i i really enjoy like investigative or um research-based kind of work i did a lot of that with the link stricken's pipelines group whether it was Mm -hmm. digging through thousand page documents about the pipeline trying to find like you know, the tiniest errors that would hold it up in the legal battles mm-hmm. all the way to like this, you know, article coming out on Tiger Swan. Um, I did a lot of research on them when I first, you know, encountered them at Standing Rock. Um, and it's the kind of stuff that just opens your eyes to like how how little just the American public knows about processes, you know, whether it's approving pipelines or it's, you know, campaign finance laws or any kind of big monsters that kind of almost seem too big to tackle. Sure. Um, as just a regular everyday American voter. You don't have influence over it directly or it doesn't affect necessarily your day-to-day life. And so you don't think about how much it it does actually directly impact the American public. It's made me aware of just how much more I wish I knew and how much mm-hmm. I'd like to open other people's eyes to this. You know, mm-hmm. I had, uh, I would, I would say I had the pleasure of learning about this at age 12 um, for uh-huh. not so pleasurable reasons. Um, and so I, um, I feel like, people in general could be a lot more effective as citizens of a democracy if they were more aware of how it functions. And um, I've I've always enjoyed writing. I've always loved writing. I did an eighth grade, I wrote about this pipeline protest for the scholastic writing competition. And um, it was like the first thing I had published somewhere. And it went well. Yeah, I understand you've had many things published now at this point. I I do. I I feel like using my voice and using my writing Mm -hmm. skill to continue to advocate for the things I care deeply about um, is important. I'm curious how uh, your spirituality may be relative to this um, this motivation and influence that you have. 
I've had a very conflicted um, religious upbringing. I was baptized Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. Grew up actually on Catholic University campus in D.C., where my parents worked at the time. Um, I was born there in D.C. in D.C. So spent my formative years there, and then came to mm-hmm. Lancaster. And my mom's religiously uh, conservative Mennonite family. Her, you know, grandparents wore head coverings. Very conservative mm-hmm. Mennonite upbringing. And my dad's side is like somewhat of a radical opposite. They're like pro- um, very, very strict. Pentecostal family, um, and something that was very consistent through all of it was just this care for the natural world and sort of um, a distaste for our tendency as a society to remove ourselves from it. I felt like it was almost a slight to God to be like, screw trees. We'll put a bleep in for that. It'll be fun. <laughs> Great. Um, you know, that's, you know, get away from them. Let's put these you yeah. know, brick walls between ourselves and this <laughs> world that we were blessed with. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like I've Beautiful. always felt closest to God if I'm mm-hmm. out on a long trail run or, you know, having grown up in Lancaster County, like I relish the smell of manure as I drive past it because it's yeah. this <laughs> idea that we're very connected to the land and to this mm-hmm. sort of raw gift that was given to us. Um, and we have a responsibility as mm-hmm. people who respect God and God's creation to take care of it and do what we can to preserve this just glorious beauty that we are surrounded by. Ashton, um, it's obvious that you are a, are, are a gift to that creation. It's so good to have you here and tell your story a little bit. Well, thank you very much. I love being here and yeah, great work that you do. glad you were with us today and I hope you'll tune in again as we listen to one another.